you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and social distancing when and where necessary. And we have had football played. We have football things to talk about. It is so exciting. We are getting ready to dive headlong into week one. We got a great show for you. We will look back at last night's season opener between the Texans and the Chiefs. We'll also look ahead to some of the big running back questions that may be facing us in week one. Plus, we'll give you some of our best values for daily fantasy plays. By the way, you can still sign up to play the official fantasy football game of the NFL. Just go to NFL.com slash fantasy. Also, be sure to download the app. Get your friends together. It is not too late to draft your teams and get your league started for the 2020 season. Before we dive too headlong, though, into what we're going to do today, let's talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And Murph, I know the Giants are still a few days away. They play on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I just to get your thoughts from just a regular football perspective. What are your expectations for Big Blue this year? They're safely in third place. Um, eight and eight, nine and seven, around that range. Uh, Dallas clearly better. Philadelphia clearly better. Giants are clearly better than the Washington football team. Uh, I love the offense. The defense has a lot of question marks, though, but I do trust Jason Garrett with DJ in his second year. I mean, the weapons they have, Ingram, Barkley, uh, the three receivers, uh, big things for them with improved O-line, but defense man like that's going to be the real big issue for them so i think this year is a growing year uh solid first year for joe judge around 500 ball but um but i think next year is the year that we really start to count on them i do think at some point this division is going to tighten up though i think the cowboys are good you mentioned the eagles are very good but i do think the teams even below them are starting to get better so i would expect in the next year or two that, that the nfc east might become a little bit more competitive than we've seen recently there's plenty of great young talent in the division. I mean, if Dwayne Hassens takes that next step, uh, they already have Terry McLaurin, uh, stable running backs there. Their defense is great, too. Um, and, yeah, they're a young roster. The Giants are a young roster. And I don't see the Eagles or the Cowboys going anywhere for quite some time uh, with their quarterbacks and, and weapons. So it's going to be a really fun division. But like I said, this year, just they're not at that level of, of Dallas and Philadelphia. Yeah, no doubt. So we will see the Giants get into action on Monday night. One of two Monday night games that we get to start off week one. All right. Week one has kicked into gear. We had a game last night on our television sets and to help me talk about that and plenty more today. It is our normal Friday co-host, the one and only Michael F. Florio. And, and Florio, how exciting was it to see real live actual football for the first time since since February, really? It was awesome, man. I mean... It wasn't the most competitive game down the stretch, but I didn't care. Like, I watched every single minute of it. It was just great to be able to sit down and watch an actual real-life football game, check real-life fantasy, live scoring. Like, <laughs> I missed it so much. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. Although I did joke that uh, every time they showed a crowd shot, it looked like the fourth quarter of the final <laughs> preseason game when you just had fans sort of sprinkled about the stadium. 
that is a thing I think is going to take some getting used to this year. Oh, yeah, that that was kind of weird to see. Um, I, I guess, though, having a little bit of fan noise made it seem a little bit more normal. But any shot of the stands, it was just like, oh, yeah, like it was like a little bit of reminder, like this isn't quite yet a normal season. Yeah, absolutely. It was sort of sort of jarring. Uh, we'll talk about that game in just a little bit. But first, let's dig into some news headlines about some things that could impact your fantasy teams this weekend. We'll start down in Tampa. Mike Evans is day to day with a soft tissue injury, something that popped up during the middle of the week in practice. The Bucks are still hoping he'll be good to go for this weekend against the New Orleans Saints. But uh, if he doesn't go, what what do you do? Actually, regardless of what, what happens, if you have Evans on your roster, what are you doing right now, Mike? I think right now you're just you're sitting there. You have to be checking it every day, seeing what his status is. They're saying they may take it down all the way up right until kickoff, right until they have to announce the announcements. So I think if you have Mike Evans, you kind of just got to sit tight right now because if he ends up playing in what I think could be one of the highest scoring week one games, I'm going to want to get him into my lineup. I, I know maybe he could be a decoy, but... With Mike Evans, it really just takes one long catch and he could end up having a great fantasy day for you. So if he plays, I think you need to get him in your lineup. But right now, you should be checking your waiver wire or your bench looking for a matchup that you like because you need to have that insurance option just in case he does not play. Yeah, I think that's the good thing about week one. You never want injuries, but if you have an injury in week one, chances are you drafted somebody that can fill in and, and slide into that spot if need be. So, you know, see what you have on your bench, see if there are any other matchups that you like. But as Florio said, you know, keep an eye out on the waiver wire and see what happens. Uh, let's just say, though, that he doesn't play. Is there somebody you think maybe picks up the slack in that passing game? Yeah, so it, it's kind of obvious. I think Chris Godwin, like if Mike Evans sits, Chris Godwin could be easily the number one wide receiver this week, I think. And then I think the other player that I would expect to step up is Rob Gronkowski. I, I know Gronk is is kind of dust at this point, but he's not <laughs> what he used to be. But he still does have that rapport there with Tom Brady. And I know like that was two years ago, but in a season like this where there was no preseason games, I think that chemistry, especially early on in the year, will come into play and Brady will look to that reliable target that he's had his whole career. So those would be the two that I would expect to step up the most. Yeah, I do know Brady has said it's going to be an adjustment period, learning a new offense, obviously learning new teammates and, and not having had the normal amount of time on the field. So that's going to be a, an interesting thing to watch. Uh, we've got some bad news, good news out of Denver. The bad news is that Cortland Sutton has a shoulder injury. The good news is that it's not as bad as the Broncos fear. It turns out it is an AC joint sprain. He left practice on Thursday, and there was some initial concern about how serious it could be. But there's a good chance he may miss the season opener against the Tennessee Titans. So for you, what does this mean for the rest of Denver's pass catchers if Sutton's not available? I think Noah Fant becomes a must not a must-start tight end, but a tight end that I would definitely be trying to get into my lineup. I already think that this was a better matchup for him than it is for the receivers. The Tennessee secondary played well against receivers last year, but they were in the top 10 in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And Fant is a big-bodied, athletic, great option across the middle. I, and he already has some of that chemistry with Drew Locke. It's not like he's uh, Jerry Judy playing his first NFL game. So I would expect Fant to step up the most. I, I think Judy then becomes a flex range, whereas right now I would not be trying to plug him into my starting lineup. But they play on Monday night. So if you have Cortland Sutton, you have to be picking up someone in that game, whether it be Corey Davis 
or maybe Jerry Judy didn't get drafted if you're in a shallower league. You need to try to get someone just in case that you could plug in. And if you don't have anyone like that that you can, I think I would play it safe and just leave Sutton on the bench this week. Yeah, I, I even saw a few people picking up Deshaun Hamilton, who is a name that has sort of been forgotten, I think, this offseason. We've talked so much about Judy and about Noah Fant and, and what they could be in this offense that I think we've sort of forgotten about Deshaun Hamilton. So maybe he's a name to keep in your back pocket as well. I also saw someone bring up the point that the Titans last year struggled against pass-catching running backs. So maybe this is potentially good news for the likes of Melvin Gordon and or Philip Lindsay. But uh, it is going to be a thing to keep an eye on, like Florio said. Make sure you have an option ready because it is that late game on Monday night. It is going to be your last chance to fill somebody into that spot if Sutton doesn't go. Last bit of news, James Conner is reportedly going to be the Steelers' bell cow, and he is the, quote, primary ball toter. That is a, according to head coach Mike Tomlin. I mean, I know that's sort of the expectation with James Conner. He's had his own injury issues. So what level of confidence do you have in James Conner giving you close to a full season this year? To a full season, not a whole lot of confidence. But <laughs> I think that James Conner is one of those running backs that, like a David Johnson, I'd put him in the same group. Like, while he is healthy, can I guarantee you that he is going to stay healthy the full year? Not at all, because we know the injury risk that they are. But while these those type of running backs are healthy, I think they're going to be a value each week from the price that you had to, to pay to get them in drafts. That being said, like, I, I think James Conner could be an RB1 this week. It's just a matter of how long can we expect him to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I started to look at James Conner sort of the way we talked about Will Fuller, whereas you sort of understand that there's always the risk of injury there because that's what the history has been. But knowing that when he is there, the Steelers like to lean on him. I mean, they are a team that generally has gone with one running back as much as possible. And so as long as James Conner is healthy, he's going to be that guy in the backfield. I didn't really see a lot of folks making the move for any of the Steelers' backup running backs. So it, it sort of is... James Conner or bust, I think, when it comes. I mean, do, do you have any level of confidence in any of those guys behind James Conner? Did you take any shots at them anywhere in drafts? I have a few best ball shots of, like, Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane, just in case James Conner goes down. But we saw the hodgepodge of, like, meh that it was when James <laughs> Conner went down last year. So I, I don't feel good about any of those guys if he goes down. Hodgepodge of Met is going to be my uh, my cover <laughs> band name. I'm not sure what band we're covering, but uh, that's what it's going to be. Uh, all right, so let's turn our attention to last night's game at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs get a 34-20 to win over the Houston Texans to get the season kicked off. Looking at some of the top fantasy scores, no surprise. Patrick Mahomes went out and did his thing, gave you just over 26 fantasy points. You got just over 20 from Deshaun Watson, who threw a touchdown, also ran for a touchdown. But maybe the big star of the night, and maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We had spent so much time hyping up CEH. We had spent so much time talking about how this guy is set to have a huge year. And Edwards-Hilaire went out and did it in week one. 138 rushing yards, had a touchdown. I mean, what did you think of CEH's NFL debut? I thought it was awesome, albeit the one there was one real big negative, and that was that he had six carries inside the five-yard line and did not turn any of them into a touchdown. He also had another one inside the 10 that he had no gain on. That was a little bit concerning, but part of me is like, yeah, well, it's concerning to see that. The other side of that coin is like he had six carries inside the five-yard <laughs> line. Like, that is really good, and I had – 
high expectations for, for CEH. He was a top six running back for me coming into this season. And even I did not expect 25 carries in week one. I thought they would try to ease him into it a little bit. They didn't at all. And the scary part, Marcus, is he was targeted just twice. We know that they said he had some pass protection concerns. And this was a game that the Chiefs were leading the for like the whole second half. So they weren't they weren't in a position where they needed to throw to their running back. So I think once they actually have to and they unleash him in the passing game, the ceiling is even higher. Like his upside is so high this year. He could realistically finish, I think, as a top three or four running back. No questions asked. Yeah, I think I think what we saw last night uh, out of the Chiefs and their running game is sort of uh, foreshadowing of what potentially is to come. And, and I tweeted about you know, right now it looks like a concern about Edward Delaire down near the goal line. And, and a lot of people made what I thought was a fair point. The Texans were selling out at that point when they got near the end zone. I think they were so they were not worried about the Chiefs trying to throw the football down around the one or two yard line. So they seemed to sell out uh, against the, the Chiefs running game down there, which is part of it. I also think Andy Reid is smart enough to kind of figure out some different wrinkles when we get later in the season to get him the ball and, and get in the end zone there. But I'm with you. The fact that he got that many touches inside the five is certainly very encouraging. And the part about the targets, I'm not worried about them. I think they're going to come. I think they didn't really need to unleash that part of his game right now. And they still got him 25 touches. There was a drive when it was pretty much just all Edward Delaire. They just kept feeding him the ball over and over and over again. So I'm not worried about it. I also think what we saw out of the Chiefs, and I think what we'll see out of a lot of teams this first week or two, is something still sort of vanilla. They haven't had a lot of time to put any wrinkles in. I can't imagine we're going to see teams unleash their full playbook in the first week of the season just because guys haven't had that opportunity to, to get that work in. On the other side. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, to that point, Marcus, it was a thought I had last night, and I, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. Like, I was thinking, did we not pay enough attention to coaching? Because I, I feel comfortable saying Andy Reid is the superior coach than Bill O'Brien. And last night, the Chiefs looked like the more disciplined team. They, they looked like the better team managing the clock. It, there was a lot of questionable stuff that happened on the Texans sideline. And I was wondering, like, maybe we overlooked coaching a little bit too much this year. I think you might be right. I mean, just not having that normal amount of time to prepare. Look, Andy Reid is also a master of getting game plans ready when he has time. I mean, his record after a bye, for instance, is pretty phenomenal. Now he's had, what, like a six-month bye, basically? <laughs> uh, six, seven-month bye since the end of last season to get ready for this one. But I do think there's something to that. And I think it's something to really pay attention to when we talk about the teams with new head coaches or maybe new play callers and not having that ramp up time. So I think you're right. It's not it's not a topic that we spent a lot of time on and maybe we should have. So maybe it's something that, that we will put some more energy into uh, when we get into a full slate of games over the weekend. Uh, we talk about the Texans. David Johnson had a, a pretty good game last night. 77 rushing yards, 32 receiving yards, had a touchdown in this one. How did you feel about what you saw out of DJ? So as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of share uh, of draft, like I didn't draft David Johnson on a lot of my rosters, I felt a little silly. Like he looked, <laughs> he looked good last night and he looked like the David Johnson of old. And I saw you tweeting about it, uh, how he looked good in the first five games of last year. And, and I completely agree. And, and I think I kind of tricked myself to saying like, 
He's going to look good until, you know, for as long as he stays healthy, but I don't really trust him to stay healthy. Seeing the volume that he got in a game where they were down multiple scores for most of the second half last night, and, and then he still put up nearly 20 fantasy points. I think this may be one that I may be wrong on because David Johnson, I mean, the volume is clearly there. He looked good. He still had some bursts in those legs. So uh, I, I think that might be one that I get wrong this season. So if it makes you feel better, I was big on David Johnson early in draft season, and I sort of backed off of him as we got closer to the season, just because I wasn't totally sure how the Texans would use him, how how Duke Johnson was going to slot in there. And, and look, let's keep, Duke Johnson did end up sitting out a good portion of that game. I think he got hurt at some point in the first half and, and sat out for pretty much the entire second half. So that does have a little bit of an impact, but... When, when David Johnson got the ball in his hands, he looked good. He looked like that guy that, that I remember seeing the first five games of the year last year with the Arizona Cardinals. And the fact that they still threw him the ball uh, late in that game, I was concerned because Deshaun Watson is not known to throw the football to his running backs. But Johnson still had three catches in that game. So there is something encouraging about what we saw out of him. And so it's, it's making me feel a little bit bad that maybe I backed off of him as we got closer to the season. But uh, hey, look, there's there's something to be excited about uh, with him. When we talk about that passing game, though, it was a heavy, heavy Will Fuller night. And I know Brandon Cooks was not 100% healthy, uh, but eight catches for 112 yards for Will Fuller. Uh, I mean, has that changed your confidence level? I know we sort of liked him, but, but ha- has your confidence level in him changed after what you saw yesterday? Yeah, I liked Will Fuller heading into the year, and I feel so much better about that call today than even yesterday. Like, I think coming into the season, the recipe for success was there. Like, there was going to be so much volume with DeAndre Hopkins now out of town. I thought, we we know that Will Fuller, when he is healthy, he is just a cheat code with Deshaun Watson. Like, his he averages almost five points more per game with Fuller active than with Fuller inactive. And what we saw last night, I think, is a sign of things to come. It... He dominated them. He, he led in targets, receptions, yards, air yards, and it wasn't even close. So I think he is clearly their number one wide receiver. I think he is their D-hop replacement. Not saying he's quite at D-hop level, but if he stays healthy for 16 games, I think he can be a wide receiver one, and that is the one concern with him is health. And, and Marcus, I don't know if people think they're creative or not, but like last night I sent out a tweet about, Will Fuller, and I got so many responses like, well, until he gets hurt next week, (laughs) everyone's making that same joke. We all know that's the concern with Will Fuller. If he stays healthy, though, he is going to be a league winner. People have been making that same joke since like May. It's like, all right, we did it. Yes, we understand Will Fuller. But that was part of what was included in his draft price. That's why you could get Will Fuller in the sixth, seventh rounds. Otherwise, if we felt confident that he'd stay healthy for 15, 16 games, well, Fuller might have been a second or third round pick in a lot of fantasy leagues because of what his potential is. Uh, like I said, I, I do think, you know, it will be a little bit different when Brandon Cooks is fully healthy and ready to go. I mean, he was definitely hobbled last night and that impacted it, but uh, they still are going to lean heavily on Fuller, as you mentioned. And the other thing I liked about it, Florio, he was not just the field stretcher. He wasn't just the deep threat. They used him in a lot of different ways. And I will tell you, I, I feel like, if he really is going to absorb that DeAndre Hopkins role, I mean, would it be crazy to see him get, you know, 115, 120 targets this season? 
I don't think so. I think he even has room where he can get even – like D-Hop every year was 150 target lock. I don't think Will Fuller's a lock for that, but I do think he can go, you know, 120, 130 if he stays healthy. It's just all a matter of how many games is he going to play because I do think – I do I agree with you. Like I think when Brandon Cooks is healthy, he will be a little bit more used than last night, but I do think that Will Fuller is this team's number one wide receiver, and it showed last night. Like when they needed to make a play – they went to Will Fuller. It was on the fourth down play, too, when they attempted it. They were going to Will Fuller. Like, to me, and even before the half, when they were taking those deep shots, it was to Will Fuller. To me, he didn't connect on all of them, but the, the opportunity is what you want, and the volume is what you want, and I don't think it could have went any better for Will Fuller last night. Not to mention that they didn't hit on him last night. They will hit on them at some point over the course of the season. So, it's week one which means it's Sammy Watkins Day. Uh, seven catches for 82 yards and a touchdown for Sammy Watkins. Uh, obviously, the jokes were flying about him being great in week one. I know I put one out there myself. Uh, if anybody was watching and suddenly they're thinking about really just buying in on Sammy Watkins as part of this Chiefs passing game, what are you saying to them this morning? Don't buy in. Like... <laughs> I almost made the Marcus. I had a tweet typed out last night. It was like, find someone who loves you, like Sammy Watkins loves scoring touchdowns in week one. And then they <laughs> called it back. And I already tweeted about the Demarcus Robinson touchdown that got called back, so I deleted it. But then he uh, he ended up scoring again. He was the number one player in week one last year, and and this is just what he does. He wasn't really consistent at any point after that. I think he is a much better real-life player and much better weapon for the Chiefs than fantasy just because Tyreek Hill is always going to be there and he's their, he's their number one wide receiver target. We know Travis Kelsey is going to get a lot of targets each week. And then there's Miko Hardman, there's Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They're all competing to be third in the pecking order in targets. So I think Watkins is one of those players better in best ball because he has a high ceiling each week because of the offense he plays in, but there's just no consistency there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too, because you mentioned Demarcus Robinson and he was getting a lot of looks early. He had that touchdown, as you mentioned, that was called back. He had another opportunity in the end zone that he couldn't hang on to uh, in the first half of that game. So he was getting involved. Nico Hartman was fairly absent, but I do think there will be weeks when, when he pops as well. I mean, just there's just so much. That, I, I, I joked with Adam Rank on Wednesday show that, you know, he said the problem with the Chiefs is that there are too many options. And it's like it's hard to pick who's going to be. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, it, beyond best ball, do you have any confidence in those those three guys beyond Kelsey and, and Kittle there? Or Kelsey and Hill, I should say. I, I really don't. And, and it stinks a little bit for me, Cole Hardman, because I think that he has so much upside if he was ever to get uh, a full chance there. But when Tyreek Hill is playing kind of the role that Miko Hardman was drafted to play, there's just not that need for him there. So I think it's hard to justify holding him right now, but he is going to have some big weeks. I think it's just going to be tough to predict when, unless, of course, something happens to Tyreek Hill, then I think Miko Hardman can just go off. Yeah. Well, either way, we know who's getting the ball in Kansas City, and it was a great start for them, and it was a great start for us fantasy-wise uh, if you had any Chiefs on your roster. Hey, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM, T-E-A-M, during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com 
for details. Week one of the NFL season gets going for real, for real, starting on Sunday, 13 games on Sunday. We got two more on Monday, and there are plenty of things that we could talk about. But let's focus on some running backs because that seems to be in the focus of the offseason. We talked about drafting running backs. We talked about committees. But now it's time to sort of put some of this stuff into action. So we'll dive in to some big questions I have for the week about running backs. Let's start in Washington, the football team is functionally going with a pair of rookies. Antonio Gibson was the big hype bunny as we got into late August, but Bryce Love was starting to gain steam there after pretty much redshirting all of last year. So, Florio, what do you predict in terms of usage out of these two backs there in Washington? I think week one is going to be a little bit tough to predict. These are two backs who are making their NFL debut. I expect as the year goes on that these will be their two primary running backs, but it wouldn't surprise me if in week one we do see J.D. McKissick, who was listed as their starter on the depth chart. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Peyton Barber sprinkled in as well, just as these you know first-game players start to get a little bit more acclimated into the NFL and, and – I think as the year goes on, they'll spell those veterans. But fun fact about J.D. McKissick, too, Marcus, two years in a row, he has gone on Twitter and found people tweeting that saying like, oh, J.D. McKissick is just a 200-pound scat back. And he'll respond to them and be like, 198. So I don't think a 198-pound running back is going to be able to hold off Love and Gibson all year. Yeah, it's funny, too, because it's almost as though J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber just didn't exist in, in regular time space because nobody talked about them for the last few weeks. It has just basically been a battle between Gibson and Love. And so you're right. I think those guys who have a little bit more NFL experience are probably going to get some opportunities. I mean, look, we saw Peyton Barber last year sort of muck up the works down there in Tampa with him and Ronald Jones functionally splitting carries there. And I guess it wouldn't be a surprise early in the year to see him kind of work in there. Also, I think throw in the fact that I expect the Eagles to jump out to a pretty good lead. I think they are you know, significantly better than Washington, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a lead. Uh, and uh, effectively sort of render the running game useless in the second half there for Washington. So uh, I always say sometimes the correct answer is no one. And at least in week one, the correct answer in Washington just, just might be no one. Uh, in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski has taken over there as the Browns reboot themselves for the 11th time. Uh, but how do you see Kevin Stefanski splitting the workload there between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I think that Nick Chubb will be used on early downs. I think Kareem Hunt will be sprinkled in more than we saw him last year because last year he was primary, primarily just a pass catcher for this team. I think he is going to be more used on the ground in the, the game than that last year. They just went out and paid this guy. They gave him a two-year extension. And Nick uh, Kareem Hunt had more catches and receiving yards in eight games than Nick Chubb had in 16 I would be a little bit worried, though, if I had Nick Chubb this week, especially last year he had his best game and his worst game for fantasy against the Ravens. And now you have to throw in a new coach and, and how is Kareem Hunt going to be used? Obviously, if you drafted Nick Chubb, you're starting him, but I'd be a little bit scared this week. I am 100% with you on Nick Chubb. I've been saying that all week. I just don't love the matchup there. I think it's going to be tough, but at the same time, Look, you, you might not have any better options on your bench than Nick Chubb. So you're going to be in a situation where you have to play them. Uh, I am curious to see if Kareem Hunt gets used more as a runner this year because you talked about him catching the football. He had more receptions in eight games last year than Nick Chubb did in 16 games. But I do think... 
that the Browns want to use him more as a traditional running back as well, which could further cut into Chubb's opportunities. That was a reason why even back as far as, you know, March, I was saying I just didn't see Nick Chubb as a top 10 fantasy running back this year, not because he's not a good player, just because I don't think the situation is going to allow for that. Um, I know Kevin Stefanski has been good for running backs. I just don't know if he is going to be good for our purposes when it comes to fantasy in terms of, of how he uses his guys, uh, especially if Nick Chubb's not, not catching the football there. Uh, in Los Angeles, the Rams situation has been cloudy all offseason long. I have said repeatedly that I sort of stayed away in a lot of situations just because I didn't have any clarity there. But for you, what do you think their rotation looks like here in week one? And what do you think it will look like when we get to week 10 of the season? I do think we see all three running backs used in week one. I'm not as confident that we will see all three used by week 10. I think Cam Akers going into week one is, at least for me, is still the favorite to lead that team in touches. They've been talking him up all offseason, but they have been talking up Brown and Henderson as well. I think there is a role there for those guys, especially early on. It is Cam Akers. First game in the NFL, but I think as the year goes on, he will continue to run away with that job. I And I think by week 10, I think we could see him and Henderson involved. Uh, I'm thinking Malcolm Brown is probably going to be the odd man out by that time. I would agree with that on Malcolm Brown. That's why Daryl Henderson was the guy, if I was taking shots at this backfield, he was the guy I tended to draft because I think he's still going to have a role late in the season. And his ADP was a little bit more something I could, I could swallow. So I, that was sort of where I went with it. My... One concern, maybe not the one concern, but one of the concerns I have with this backfield is, one, the offensive line still looks like it's going to be suspect there in Los Angeles. And last year, the Rams were very run heavy down near the goal line, but that's because they still trusted Todd Gurley to go out and be that guy to score touchdowns. I mean, for all the hand-rigging we did over Todd Gurley's role, he was still sort of a touchdown monster, which kept his fantasy value afloat. I think when you're rotating two or even three guys in there, it's hard to think that you're going to see somebody be that consistent goal line back. And that's sort of what concerns me. I think this could be a pass-heavy offense. And so that means fewer opportunities to run the football. So that has sort of scared me about the Rams backfield. But I'm with you. I, I do think by the end, by the middle part of the year, we will have seen this thing streamlined from you know three guys down to maybe two, which maybe makes us feel better about both Cam Akers and, uh, and Daryl Henderson when it's all said and done. Uh, in Denver, we sort of talked about this uh, a little bit, and we talked about Cortland Sutton, what that might mean for this offense. But... I feel like as we got closer to September, we started hearing more talk about closer to a 50-50 split there. I mean, what do you imagine for this backfield split with the Broncos? I think it will be a split. I would give the slight edge to Melvin Gordon. I mean, they did already have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman on the roster and went out and still paid Melvin Gordon. So I don't think he's going to be in anything less than 50-50 split. I could even see it being something like 55-45 or 60-40. The real wild card is how is Royce Freeman still going to be used at all, I think, because if he is, then it just becomes a fantasy nightmare. Uh, but to it, like to your point that you said earlier, I think with Sutton being banged up, they are going to rely, at least in my opinion, more on the running backs. I think they'll try to control the clock, maybe dump it off a little bit more to them. I feel a little bit better about those backs if Sutton sits than if he does it and then if he plays. But I think it's going to be a, a split between those two backs with Melvin Gordon seeing the slightly heavier side. 
Yeah, I, I kept believing that there was no way Philip Lindsay was going to completely go away just because of how good he had been his first couple of years in this league. So I do think he still has a role. But again, this is another situation sort of like with the Rams where I was going after the guy that was available a little bit later in drafts because I thought he was going to have more of an opportunity. Uh, so I was more prone to probably draft Philip Lindsay than I was Melvin Gordon. I do have Gordon in a couple of spots, but I think I might have uh, more spots with Philip Lindsay. So uh, I think that both these guys are going to get work. My fear is that it becomes a hot handback field and we all get frustrated when it's all said and done. Uh, last running back question I have, Adrian Peterson now lands in Detroit. How much should we be paying attention to that when we know that DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson are also there? I don't think Adrian Peterson is fantasy relevant. Like, I wouldn't be picking him up or definitely would not be starting him. But I do think he's fantasy relevant in the sense of the impact he has on the other two running backs. Like, right now, I, I think it's possible that this is just a three-headed monster to start the year with Swift and, and Carrion, I think, getting the larger share of the three. But if AP is still getting touches there, it is just going to be – a nightmare early on. I like DeAndre Swift the most of all of those backs. I think he has the highest upside, especially as a pass catcher. But until we really see him start to really take over that backfield, I'm taking a wait and see approach. And if I had to start any of the three this week, I would go with on Johnson, but I do not feel great about that. Yeah, I know Matt Patricia said, hey, Adrian Peterson, he looked good. He looked explosive in practice. People asked if he would play and they're like, ah, We'll see about that. So right now, <laughs> right now, he could just be sort of a depth ad in Detroit. And as you mentioned, maybe not something we should put a whole lot of interest in for fantasy. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. And just like the name suggests, we will give you some of our value picks if you are playing daily fantasy this weekend. Let's just start at the quarterback spot. Michael Florio, who is your best value this week in week one? I'm going with the Bill Belichick protege, Jimmy Garoppolo. He faces the Cardinals, who last year allowed the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. And a big reason why was because of Jimmy Garoppolo. He had his two best fantasy games, both against this Cardinals defense. I like it to continue this week. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is someone that I would be looking to get into my DraftKings lineup. I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. I think the, as I've been calling it, the Steelers offensive revenge tour begins this week. They've got a good matchup against a Giants secondary that still has some issues in it. Plus, Let's not forget the last time we saw Ben Roethlisberger playing NFL football, he was a top three fantasy quarterback. I think they come out, I think they throw the football early and often to kind of get him back in a rhythm of things. And I do think that Roethlisberger will be among your scoring leaders uh, when the week is all said and done. Over to the running backs. Uh, I know that you like that guy there in silver and black making his season debut. Yeah, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. And I know people might be thinking he cost 6,800 on DraftKings. How is he a value? But I have a lot of confidence that he is going to be a top five running back this week. It would not surprise me if he is the number one overall running back. And you get a big discount on him compared to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and the other high-end backs. So I will take that discount and get someone that I still think can be a top five player at his position. I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert there. The 49ers taking on the Arizona Cardinals, who last year had a pretty leaky run defense. Mostert is projected to be the starter and the lead back there in that San Francisco backfield. And you know, we have talked about the issues they're having injury-wise at the wide receiver positions. I think they may have to lean on the run a little bit more. And if you take stock into some of these preseason stories, there's talk that Raheem Mostert has worked on his pass-catching ability. So maybe there's a chance he even gets a target or two coming up this weekend. All right. The wide receivers, you got a veteran here uh, that I didn't expect to see. A little bit of a surprise to me. 
I, I'm going with Deshaun Jackson against the Washington football team. He, he's only 4,900 on DraftKings. And I know everyone is getting excited about Jalen Rager. He is back at practice. He looks like he's going to be good to go in week one. But he is still a rookie who missed a lot of practice time leading into the season in a preseason where rookies are already starting behind the eight ball. I think Deshaun Jackson and his veteran presence there, Carson Wentz may rely on him. And Marcus, Djax played one, he was healthy for one game last year. It was week one against this Washington football team, and he scored over 35 fantasy points Was the wide receiver one. I, I think he has a repeat performance in him, and I know you love that it is a revenge game. <laughs> At this point, I feel like Djax has a lot of revenge games because he's sort of been around the league a little bit. <laughs> the whole NFC East. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I am going to go with a guy on the other side of that game, Scary Terry McLaurin, who had a fantastic rookie year and I think is set up for an even bigger sophomore season. Uh, he's 5,600 there you see on DraftKings. And just because, as I mentioned earlier, I think this is a game where the, the football team, the FT, is going to be forced to pass the ball, especially in the second half. I think they will be playing from behind. And McLaurin right now is the only consistent pass-catching weapon that they have there in that offense. So I see a situation where, hey, look, garbage points still count. I think he may pick up quite a few of them in week one. Tight end. Uh, you've got everybody's favorite door-to-door -door encyclopedia salesman as, uh, <laughs> as your tight end pick. That, that is a great nickname for him. I'm going to go with Jack Doyle against the Jaguars. The Jaguars' defense did not scare me at all. I think the Colts will put up a lot of points this week. Plus, like, I'm excited for the Colts' weapons throughout the year, like Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell. But that, that's a rookie and another player with not a whole lot of NFL experience. With a quarterback making his debut on this team, it would not surprise me at all if Phillip Rivers this week relies a little bit heavy on his two veterans in that passing game, T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle. Well, I'm sure people are sick of me talking about Hayden Hurst because I've talked about him a lot <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to do it at least one more time. Uh, maybe I'll do it on Fantasy Live, too. We'll have to stay tuned for that one. But I do think that this Seattle-Atlanta game is going to be one of the higher-scoring ones of the weekend. And sure, maybe Hurst is a little bit more than Jack Doyle at 4,300. But I do think that the Falcons are going to spread the football around. We know that Matt Ryan certainly likes throwing to his tight ends, especially when they get down near the goal line. So I could see a situation where you see Hurst maybe get a touchdown, you know, maybe two if things get, uh, get a little... Uh, high scoring there, but uh, I do like Hayden Hurst a lot this week. Finally, look at the defenses because, you know, defense wins fantasy championships occasionally. Uh, which defensive unit are you looking at? This is, I, I believe they are the cheapest defense in the week one slate, but I'll go with the Miami Dolphins against the Patriots. I, they're, they're the lowest because last year you could score endless amounts of fantasy points against them, but they added a lot of pieces to that secondary and even more so, this is Cam Newton's first game in nearly a year. He has to shake off some rust. He hasn't really looked like the old Cam Newton since the end of 2018. So I'm not expecting him to come out week one and just be his old self. I think he might have to shake off a little bit of rust, which may just lead to some more opportunity for the Dolphins' defense. Well, I'm going to go with the Patriots defense going against the Dolphins there. And I know this defense isn't exactly what it was last year. Uh, they had a number of opt-outs because of COVID-19. They had some uh, losses because of free agency and what have you. But this is still going to be a very good team. And they still get the opportunity to face Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we know, look, for, for all the highs that we get from Fitz, we get some lows, too, when he will throw the ball to the wrong jersey on occasion. So I still think the Patriots have enough defensively to, to go out and make some plays and get you some fantasy points. It's time for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week, we will pick three players we think 
could have good fantasy weeks for you and kind of tell you what our projections potentially could be for those players. We will start as I go through the pack here. Carson Wentz, the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, Wentz and the Eagles taking on the Washington football team in week one. So, Michael F. Florio, what do you think Wentz's ceiling is here in week one? I think Wentz's ceiling is one of the highest of all quarterbacks this week. My only real concern with Wentz is if the Eagles get out to such a lead, are they going to stop throwing and just, you know, use Miles Sanders and Boston Scott to kind of grind out the clock in the second half. But even if that happens, they have to put up points in the first half. I, I have Carson Wentz. It, he's he's like a borderline top five quarterback for me this week. And I think the upside in a great matchup is really, really high. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got a top five ceiling this week. And I think you made a good point. People always say, well, they're going to score a lot and they're going to stop throwing the football. But in order for them to get to the point where they stop throwing the football, they got to go out and score a lot. So uh, I think there's some <laughs> upside there for Carson Wentz as well. I, I am hoping he has a huge season and I think it starts in week one. All right, next up, as I go through this, uh, we got a running back. It is Joe Mixon with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. I think potentially a good season is coming for Joe Mixon. What do you see for him in week one? I think a good season is coming for Joe Mixon as well. And I think it starts with a good week one. We saw in the second half of last year, they really started to give Mixon more volume. And I'm expecting that in week one. Again, this is a rookie quarterback making his NFL debut against a pretty strong secondary in, in the Chargers. So I think they, especially early in this game, are going to rely on Mixon to kind of just let Joe Burrow settle in and feel comfortable. I don't think they're going to ask Joe Burrow just to start slinging the ball around in quarter one of game one of his NFL career. So I think Joe Mixon, top 10 running back, I feel very confident about it this week. You know, last year, the Charger run defense had some issues at times. I think they, they're hoping they fixed it when they drafted Kenneth Murray, but uh, I do think there's some opportunities for Joe Mixon to make some plays. And I'm with you. One of the ways to take pressure off a young quarterback is to make sure he has a solid outlet and a running back, and that is what Joe Mixon can be. All right, one more here in the pack, and... Got another running back here. It is Chris Carson with the Seattle Seahawks. I already said I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, but Chris Carson always seems to be overlooked, and he still produces. What kind of workload do you anticipate for him this season? I'm expecting a heavy workload for Chris Carson for exactly the reason you said. Like Chris Carson, when he's on the field, is always productive. He gives you RB1 numbers, but you never have to draft him as an RB1. He always goes as an RB2. I think he gets overlooked, uh, and I don't really know why. And this year, the only concern is his health. So if he's a heavy workload, it's because that hip probably isn't right, and then you have a lot more to worry about than just the workload. So... I think it all comes down to, you know, how healthy him and that hip are. But if he's healthy, I expect a very large workload for Chris Carson this year. I think the biggest knock on him is that he just doesn't catch the football. And that's a thing that we seem to shy away from when we talk about fantasy running backs. But everything else about Chris Carson is fantastic, especially when you talk about you know, broken tackles and the way he gets to the end zone. There's a lot to like about Chris Carson. Time for a new segment on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's called Ask a Nerd. Each and every week, we will have a question for one of our fantasy researchers, and well, the nerd will give us some answers. So in week one, we wanted to know from our nerd, who are the top scorers when it comes to week one in fantasy football? Thanks, Marcus. Counting down the top week one fantasy scorers of the last five seasons, we begin at number three, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. 
With six week one touchdowns in the last five seasons, Hopkins is as hot in season openers as his new home of Arizona. Coming in at number two on the list is Mr. Records himself, Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Brees has averaged 23.2 fantasy points and a whopping 376 passing yards per game on opening weekends, making him the top quarterback on the list. And finally, the number one week one fantasy star of the last five seasons is Alvin Kamara. The 25-year-old running back has racked up 75 week one fantasy points in his first three seasons as the Robin to Brees' Batman. That's the top three fantasy players over the last five opening weeks. Thanks for asking a nerd, and I'll catch you again soon. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> looking forward. Look, man, it, it, it's perfect, right? The glasses, the mustache is killer. Uh, I look forward to seeing a lot from Matt Okada in our Ask a Nerd segment coming up this week. And if you got any of those three guys, uh, feel pretty good about your chances in week one in fantasy. But so it leads to this question, Michael F. Florio. Who do you think will be the top fantasy scorer in week one this year? He was my value running back on DraftKings, but I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. Last year, the Panthers allowed by far the most fantasy points per game to running backs. They allowed 30 touchdowns to running backs. The next closest team was 22. So I think Jacobs can easily go over 100 yards. I would not be surprised if he found the end zone and if he did so multiple times. I think his ceiling is really high in what is just a great matchup. Well, I'm going to go with one of my value picks as well, and that's going to be Ben Roethlisberger going against the New York football Giants. I mean, I, I do think Ben wants to come back and announce his presence with authority after missing essentially all of last year. The Giants' secondary struggled against wide receivers, giving up about 41 points per game to the position. And so for that to happen, generally, uh, your quarterback has to have a pretty good game as well. So I think Big Ben steps in and returns and reminds us of who he once was. All right. As we get ready to wrap up this show, one last thing. So I want to ask you, as we get ready for a full slate of games on Sunday, what is the one thing you are most looking forward to seeing here in week one? I will, outside of just being able to watch football, uh, again, I'm most looking forward to getting some answers to a lot of these questions that we had all offseason, especially the usage when it comes to rookies. Like two guys that I'm going to have a very close eye on this week are Jonathan Taylor and CeeDee Lamb. I just want to see the usage of these young players that I am super excited about in fantasy this year and really start to get more than just like beat reporters telling us what they're seeing at practice. <laughs> Well, in a, in a similar vein, I want to see what happens with a lot of these new head coaches and play callers in different situations. And we sort of touched on that early in the show, what this means with new coaches in new places and what sort of ramp up time they've had. I want to see how they're distributing the football, what sort of snap distribution we're seeing, and just kind of an overall feel of how some of these new play callers are getting used to the players that they have. But on top of it, uh, I'm just excited, like you said, to have football back and to kind of get something that we're sort of used to. I mean, it's our body clocks sort of go by the sports calendar as well. And uh, I love baseball. It's a weird season. Having basketball in September is throwing me off. But football right after Labor Day, that's normal. So uh, I'm excited about that. And we're looking forward to that as well. So we hope all of you are ready for football. Also, in the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, football combines the two worst things in American life. Punctuated by committee meetings. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday. Enjoy week one, everybody.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.